Hi, this is Shotgun Tom Kelly, and now that I have your attention, you wanted to be close to him in the dugout during his impressive 15-year major league career because he was always watching, listening, and looking for an edge. Now, Kurt Bavakwa brings that edge to Dirty Kurt's dugout, where you can listen, watch, and be a part of the most honest, informative baseball show available today. Now, here's Kurt. Well, I'm seeing now. Yeah. Welcome to Dirty Kurt's Dugout, which is having technical difficulties on my side. I was so excited about today's show. I couldn't wait to get together with you on this show today because of the obvious reason that there's such a big game that's going to go on up in San Francisco tonight against Dodgers and San Francisco Giants and everything that's happened in the game, all the stuff that's happened just in the last few hours. I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on. It's, it's really good. I mean, it's really good. And I can't hear anybody. I can't hear my producer, Joe, I can't hear my technical and engineer guy, Alan. I'm not going to be able to hear, although I'll be able to read your guys' comments. So I still want you involved. So let's get on this thing. Come in. Come in at any time and make a comment. You don't even have to disagree with something that I say. Because most, most people don't come on and make a comment if they agree with what I say, although some of you do. But uh, again, welcome to Dirty Kurtz Dugout show number seven, my favorite number. You know why? And I want a special thanks out there to not only my guys, but also uh, Hacienda Casablanca out in El Cajon, California. Uh, Alpine is actually your first stop coming west on eight, uh, but El Cajon's next. I mean, there might be some little stops in between, but city-wise, metropolis-wise, El Cajon. That's where I lived when I first moved to San Diego. And, you know, I mentioned to you um, – about the crazy things happening. But uh, don't forget, uh, we're going to have a watch party. Uh, I know we're trying to coordinate uh, with Cindy and Tony over at Hacienda Casablanca, along with producer Joe. And uh, we're trying to pick the best dates for it. And it looks like we might do something in, um, in line with the first couple of games of the World Series. So get in the mood. It, it doesn't matter who's playing. It really doesn't. I, I think it's going to be a West Coast team. And I think, especially with what the Los Angeles Dodgers pulled today, it's, uh, it's going to be the San Francisco Giants. And what the Dodgers pulled today, if you haven't heard, was an analytical – I'm trying to think of the right word, and 
there's so many that come to mind. I'm not even going to throw out any. They came up with a change. And instead of Julio Urias pitching in tonight's game, yeah, that is the same pitcher that won 20 games. Uh, you know how hard it is to win 20 games nowadays? And instead of him being the starter, the Dodgers decide that, not the Dodgers, the analytic department, because that's where it came from, trust me. There's no one individual. Dave Roberts did not make this decision to start Corey Knable over Urias. Didn't happen. It was all analytics. They put all the names into the computer. They looked at it, and they probably go, you know, the Giants hit a little better against left-handers than they do right-handers. So let's upset the apple cart. Now, this might have been set up for a couple of days, for all we know. Upset the apple cart and throw a wrench at Kapler and the San Francisco Giants with their starting lineup and start Corey Knable, who's a right-hander. And by the way, this guy's a pretty good pitcher. I'm not taking anything against uh, away from this kid. He can throw the ball. But Urias has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Not only this year, but going into last year and the year before, he really started to get his stuff together. And then he worked out of the bullpen, if you remember, until he became a full-time starter. So it must be the Dodgers thinking that the Giants are going to panic and they're going to throw all their left-handed bats into the lineup against Corey Knable. Knable will go one inning, and then they'll bring in Urias. Might, might even bring him in before one inning. He might get one out or two outs. As soon as the guy gets on, bang, here he comes from. Because this is one of those games where you know what happens if you don't win. I mean, you've got charcoal all over your face all winter long. And you're the joke of baseball, kind of. Although there's going to be a lot of discussion because of this year. When you've got two teams that win 106, 7, 8 games from the same division, what do you do? It's something that happens every so often to happen this year, it's the first time in modern-day baseball that the Giants and the Dodgers have played in the postseason. That's pretty cool. And I am really excited about this game starting. I really am. Like I said, there's lots and lots of crazy stuff happening not only in-game stuff, and we'll get to that in a minute, but how about the Cardinals firing manager Mike Schilt today? Yeah. Yeah, that Cardinal manager, the guy that brought him to the postseason last year or a wild card spot last year, and the Padres beat him. Psychological differences. 
I, I have, I don't know what the hell that means. I, I really don't. It's got to be explained to me by either management, ownership of the Cardinals, or come right out of Mike's mouth on what exactly do they mean by psychological differences? Because if it's psychological differences, it had to be going on for the last year or so. That's not something that just pops up. And all of a sudden, the last month of the season or month and a half of the season or two months, that all of a sudden the manager and the front office have psychological differences. So what I think happened is Schultz probably took the Cardinals to task and said, you know what? Take your analytics department and stick it. (laughs) That's what I think happened. Managers get to a point where they either got to stick up for themselves nowadays or just keep being the puppet. I think Mike got tired of being the puppet. And they probably had some meetings about things that were going on during the playoffs, uh, during the wild card game, the last week or two of the season. I, I don't know what these guys could say about how good that ball club played. I mean, come on. They played fantastic baseball. They really did. They got as much as they possibly could out of all their players. When I say they, I'm talking about the manager. Because if there's any discord or bad chemistry in that clubhouse or on that bench during the course of the season, they don't play the kind of baseball that they played. So this all had to be the stuff that they're trying to tell them to do from the front office, which is a shame. So Schilt's gone. The Yankees fired just about everybody on their coaching staff, include Phil and Nevin, including Phil Nevin, the third base coach. Former Padre. Does that put him in line for a managerial position here? Nah, I don't think so. So the one guy that was the talk of the town on whether or not he's going to keep his job, Aaron Boone, looks like he's just going to have a new coaching staff. That's not Boone's decision. That's management calling him up to the front office and saying, hey, if you want to keep your job, we're getting rid of all these guys and we're putting different players in or different coaches in place. That's the way they do it now. I mean, look at what happened here in San Diego. With the coaches that were under Tingler. Tingler didn't have anything to do with anybody except one, the bullpen catcher. That was it. 
So Aaron Boone's still in New York. So everybody that thinks that he's going to come here and manage, you forget about that. You forget about it anyway, even if he got fired in New York. The decision on who manages in San Diego is one that I think has everybody in baseball sitting on the edge of their seat. Certainly me. Naturally, I'm good friends with Bruce Bochy. And we can welcome my dog to the show. Would I like to see Boch come back? Absolutely, I would. Is he a fit here? You know what? I think he's the best fit. but not for a prolonged period of time. You know, I think Boach could manage another two to five years. Not could manage, but will manage another two to five years. And I say that because this is a guy that's already retired once. But now he's got the itch again a little bit. And if the right situation comes along, he's going to take it. But only if he somewhat has some control. Bruce Bochy is not going to be a puppet for the front office of any Major League Baseball team. Has he told me that? No. He hasn't said that. But I don't. he doesn't need to say it. It's just not going to happen. That's all there is to it. So let's talk about the crazy stuff that's happened in the baseball games. Because there's been some crazy stuff. There was crazy stuff right here before I came on with you guys because, oh, my God, trying to get my microphone to work so I could hear people that I need to hear is important. And for some reason, every week, I've got to make adjustments when I come on. Yeah, get smarter. Yeah, I agree. Okay. What did you think the other night in Boston when the Rays were there in the 13th inning Kevin Kiermeyer hits a ball that short hops the right center field wall, and Renfro's on his high horse to get the ball back in. It bounces off the wall, hits him. He wasn't expecting it to bounce off that hard, and it did, and he kind of jumped up. And I don't think he hit it. I don't think it was purposely. And if it was, he was really smart. But the ball deflected off of the player and went over the fence. This rule has to be changed. That was a perfect example. It it could have probably did cost the Tampa Bay raise the game. Because... The runner 
I want to say it was Yande Diaz, was going from first base. It was a three and two count. There's two outs in the 13th inning, and he's running. So he gets a big jump. Hit the first move to the plate that the pitcher makes. He's running. Not worried about stealing a base or anything like that. He's going. It's three and two. There's two outs. You're taught as a base runner to go as soon as the pitcher makes a move. Kiermaier hits the ball, a rocket to right center field. He scores easily. Easily. Kiermaier has a triple, a stand-up triple. If the ball doesn't deflect over the fence, but it did. The umpires have no choice. It's the rule. It's a ground rule double. If a player doesn't intentionally deflect the ball, like if you're waiting for the ball to come down and you know that that runner's going to score, and let's say the game's on the line. Let's say it's the Red Sox that this happened to. And somebody on the Red Sox hit it, and it's their half of the inning, and if that run scores, they walk it off. Well, if I'm the outfielder, I'm going to swat the ball over the fence. If you're smart. And now that all cameras are on this, people will probably start thinking about doing that. At least if if they're smart, they will. So I'm swatting the ball over the fence. If the umpire calls it on me, so what? The runner's going to score anyway. But if for some reason they all get together and rule that he didn't get he didn't do it on purpose, he was trying to grab the ball and get the relay back in as fast as he possibly could. That's what the umpires are going to go to the other manager and explain. That manager is going to get thrown out of the game. So something has to be done here with this rule. Even though what I just talked about was a little bit of extreme. Diaz scores easily for first base on Kiermaier's ground rule double. Or double, let's say. Let's say he doesn't even get a triple because he didn't need to. It's the go-ahead run. The game is tied 4-4. to I think that could have cost the Tampa Bay Rays the series. So... That's a rule that's got to be changed. How about this one? Our boy, Yajmani Grandel. This was so blatant to me. But evidently, the umpires didn't think so. So the Chicago White Sox are playing the Houston Astros. And it didn't matter because the Astros are going to kick their ass anyway. And I'll get to that in a minute on why. But I lost my paper on why. (laughs) So, oh, there it is. Good. (laughs) Oh, 
Yasmani Grandel hits a ground ball with a runner on third base. You got to give him credit. I mean, you really do. He's a pretty smart guy to have done this. He's a left-handed hitter, switch hitter, but in, in this case, he was hitting left-handed. If I'm coming right at you down the first baseline, he hits the ball, and he veers at least a foot, a foot and a half, into the infield grass. He's not in a 45-foot lane yet, but he veers so that he is almost between, and when I say almost, pretty darn close to being almost between Guriel, the first baseman, and the catcher of the Houston Astros. Now, Guriel's play on this ball was to home. And Grandel knew this. So he veers into the infield grass. And he allows Guriel's throw to hit his shoulder, hit his arm. It just grazed it. But it grazed it enough to where the throw went by the catcher. The catcher turns around right away to the umpire and points that ball hit him. Another situation, if you remember Reggie Jackson back in the day, he did the same thing and got away with it. Well, it happened again. In my mind, and a lot more knowledgeable baseball people, Minds also than me. Yosemite Grandel did it on purpose. If the umpires come to that conclusion, things could be changed, but they didn't. They just came to the conclusion that he didn't have to be veering into the baseline. He could be this far outside of it, which he was, A crazy distance outside of it. But he still had time to go back and get into the 45-foot lane. Have to be, if a ball hits you, let's say from the catcher on a called third strike, if you're not in that lane by the time you get 45 feet from first, they can call you out. It's, It's crazy that they let this go by. But that's another crazy thing that happened. And then probably one of the craziest. The play that Lewis Urias made. You remember him. I'm throwing all these names out here. It's all guys that played for the Padres, except for Kiermaier. So there's a pop-up and Urias is playing third base. The Bra- Milwaukee uh, Brewer and the Atlanta Brave game. And one of the uh, Atlanta Braves hit a pop-up. The catcher goes back towards the screen, over towards the dugout, 
and the ball ricochets off his glove. Urias, you remember Pete Rose doing this with Bob Boone. If you remember, Bob Boone went to catch a pop-up, and the ball deflected off his glove, and Pete caught it. Almost the same thing here, except Pete caught it, I mean, well into the air. Urias had to really reach, almost dive for the ball, and caught it in the webbing of his glove. We thought. Until we saw the replay. And it was obvious on the replay that the ball hit the dirt. The ball hit the dirt. So what happens? If you weren't watching, well, what happens? Nothing. It's a foul ball, right? The hitter gets to go back up to the plate and continue with whatever the count was on him. No. The original call was out. Seeing this play with the naked eye, I can see very clearly how the umpires could have called the hitter out because it looked like he caught the ball. In front of the glove, you can't make that type of a move on the ball and make it look like you scooped it. You know, been there a lot. I, I know that's not an easy thing to do. And I, I don't know how the ball ended up in his glove like that, but it did. And it wasn't an obvious bounce. It was just a right in front of the glove. I mean, it took replay to see it. Guess what? Not reviewable. The umpires made a call. And because the play is not reviewable, even though you can clearly see on the replay, that the ball hit the dirt. The hitter is still out. Sorry. Rules got to be changed. That's all there is to it. Rules got to be changed. So let me recap the postseason for you real quick before we get to what's going on up in San Francisco tonight. Let me see if I... Uh, Stuff with people wanting to talk to me. I see Kyle Lundy wrote in, the Cardinal, the Cardinal manager being fired was a shocker. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Terrence Morgan, who's a, a baseball aficionado. Um, it, it, I'm going to give you my opinion on... Corey Knable starting in front of Urias in, in, a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, but let, let's put that on the back burner for a minute. Um, I've got one guy that uh, 
Daryl in. Uh, the Padres should have been postseason. <laughs> you know, I would love to agree with you, but they didn't deserve it. That's all there is to it. They didn't deserve it. St. Louis Cardinals deserved it. They won 17 games in a row at the end of the season. To to not win it by a game, I mean, they won it by like five or six games. I'm talking about the wild card. I mean, it wasn't even close. And everybody thought the Padres were shooing a couple of months for postseason. Not just postseason, but they were going to challenge for the National League West. Well, I tell you, these guys got a lot to talk about with this collective bargaining agreement coming up. I can promise you that. And naturally, there's a lot of baseball to be played between now and then. And uh, we're, hopefully, we're going to get together. Um, I made a little friendly social media wager with uh, with one of you out there, and and I got to go pay it off. Uh, got to buy dinner for somebody downtown. Um, doesn't make me very happy, but I got to buy him dinner. We made a wager. And you know what it was? I see all your your comments about how teams are uh, have to make adjustments, and uh, your ball clubs are still in it. And th- this guy made me a wager that I thought <laughs> was. I mean, I would have lost a lot more if if this guy was a gambler and not just a fan, and not just the guy that loves the game. Um. I want to say his uh, his first name is John, and I believe his last name is pronounced Ronis. Um, and he, him and I are going to uh, be meeting up here in the next couple of days. But he he said something to me uh, one day in a message uh, that the Colorado Rockies were going to finish uh, better than the San Diego Padres, and I'm not talking about the last week or two of the season. I'm talking about, I don't know, 80-some games have been played. Let's say 90. There's 70 games left. I thought this guy was out of his mind, and this guy's a Padre fan. He's a Padre fan. All of you would have lost that bet too. I promise you. This guy would have been eaten forever. I said, I'm in. How about dinner at a nice steakhouse downtown? He goes, okay. I went back. I I don't even think I made a comment like, boy, are you silly? (laughs) Yeah. Who turned out to be silly? So recap real quick. Wild card games. The Red Sox, they're a wild card team. 6 2 over the Yankees. They win the wild card game. They also advance with a win over the Rays. A surprising win, by the way. 
because everybody thought the Rays were going to go ahead and be the team to beat in the American League. Well, them and the Astros. And, of course, the Dodgers beat the Cardinals 3-1 to one in a game that could have went both ways. And the Cardinal manager's gone. So, I tell you what, I was surprised. I was surprised about that. Um, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it just goes to prove where we are in the game today, where the manager must have had a, enough cojones to go up to the front office and say, listen, this is what we need to do. This is who we need to get. These are the players. No, I disagree with the, that. Uh, I disagree with the analytical part of that. Hey, Mike, you're out of here. You know, 15, 20 years ago, you could have those discussions. But now you can't. You know why? Because they've got all of these people upstairs that have never played the game before. I'm not saying they're not smart. Absolutely. They're smart. But you can't pull numbers out of a computer to tell me what's inside a player. You can't do it. Windows doesn't Scale, desire, and determination, and neither is Apple. You can't turn on your computer and tell me how much those guys, or that particular guy, wants to win a baseball game. And can he be in the moment? Which makes tonight's game that much more interesting. Because I'm wondering if there are Dodger players who are going to take the field tonight wondering what the hell the front office is doing. Not that they don't like or trust Corey Knable. Doesn't have anything to do with that. Corey Knable's spot with the Dodgers has been in the bullpen. Yeah, maybe, maybe he started a game back in June. But Urias has been an unbelievable pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. How do you sit this young man down and say, in the biggest game of possibly the last 35 years in this franchise's history, you were the scheduled starter, but we're not going to start you who had probably, arguably, because Scherzer's on that staff, Walker Bueller's on that staff, Clayton Kershaw, who he is on that staff, but 
he hasn't helped them out for the last couple of months because of injury. We're not going to start you because the computer says that you're not the guy to put out there. That is the only way, the only reason that Julio Urias is not starting tonight in San Francisco for the Dodgers is because of what the computer spit out, the information that the analytic department gave to baseball ops and said, this is going to put us in the best position to win. This could be a decision that comes back and haunts the Los Angeles Dodgers for a long, long time. And granted, Dave Roberts isn't going to let it get too far out of hand. Canable will be gone quick if a couple of guys get on. But where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? It's going to be interesting to see. Or are the Dodgers even telling the truth about Urias? Could he be injured? And they don't want to let that information out? Not me. If I'm making that decision, I'm going to say, listen, he's got a little tightness. We're trying to work through it. Knable's going to start this game instead of Urias. Instead of putting our organizational reputation on the line analytically. And that's where it all is nowadays. Putting it on the line. Because if the San Francisco Giants get into that bullpen in the first inning and something stupid happens, which have we seen it before? You bet we have. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've seen it before. Something crazy happens. They'll be living it down for a long, 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 long time. So let's get back. I know I mentioned Yasmani Grandel earlier in that series. Houston, they win three games to one, uh, just like the Red Sox did over the race, which shocked a lot of people, really. But the Renfro play in right center field, the carom, might have turned the tides on that series. I mean, really, that was a huge, huge momentum change. And the White Sox, bang, they scored two runs and and walk it off in the next inning. It's over. I mean, it, it was definitely a downer for the Tampa Bay Rays. So Houston... 
wins the first couple of games in Houston. In the style that they win games, they're knocking a ball around and uh, swinging the bats well. They go back to Chicago, and the White Sox win the first game in Chicago so they don't get swept in the series 3-0. They win it 12-6. And then it happens. <laughs> oh... Some kid by the name of Ryan Tupera gets in front of a camera and does the worst possible thing you can possibly do. He literally accused the Houston Astros of something fishy at their ballpark. In other words, accusing them stealing signs again. He said they swung the bat all different here than they did back home. They scored six runs. This guy is a numb nuts. And I would imagine Tony LaRusso probably called him into his office and kicked him in the ass because that's what I would have done if I'd have been the manager. And any one of the players that are leaders on the team called him over and put duct tape on his mouth because that's the stupidest thing that you can possibly do. And what did he do? Mm-hmm. You ever hear the old saying, let a sleeping dog lie? Well, he woke up the gentle giant, and that was that. So they win the series. And you know what? To rub salt in the wound, we all know the history between Dusty Baker and Tony LaRusso, right? Those guys would box each other in a second if they weren't 70-some years old, each of them. It, it, you know what? They might even do it anyway because they've had their altercations. If there weren't players between them in the past, they would have duked it out on the field. And most of it is in reference to batters getting hit, which happens a lot. But these two guys have a long history of it happening. So to rub salt in the wound, the Astros are up 10 to 1. And what do they do? They nail Abreu. Chicago, the White Sox, one of, one of their premier hitters. They nail him before the game's over. No, knowing that there's no retribution that's going to happen at least this year. So they got all winter to steam on it. And you know what? They can deny that they hit him on purpose all winter. It's not going to make any difference <laughs> because we all know. We all know the reason. It, it really wasn't the hitter getting hit by the pitcher. It was the manager telling the other manager up yours. That's basically what it was. Okay. Before I close out, I got I to gotta thank 
Hacienda Casablanca again. And, and keep in mind, um, the first game of the World Series is a possibility, but next Tuesday, playoff game is also a possibility. And like I said, I don't care who's playing, and I'm sure you don't either. It really doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'd like one of the National League West teams to be in it, but if the Atlanta Braves happen to play some good baseball, um, and beat either the San Francisco Giants or the Los Angeles Dodgers, whoever wins tonight's game. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you my idea about who is going to win tonight's game. And then I'll tell you why. But being that I threw out the Atlanta Braves name, let me ask you this. The Atlanta Braves played their last game on Tuesday. Today's Thursday. I know. Well, it's great to have a day or two off. Well, guess what? They got tomorrow off, too. And think about this. Where are the Braves? Where are the Atlanta Braves right now? Think about it. All of you are probably saying they're at home, relaxing, having a home-cooked meal, getting ready for National League Championship Series. Kyle said resting. They're resting. They're on pins and needles, Kyle. You know why? They don't know where the hell they're going right now. And when are they going to get there? Certainly not Saturday. So they have to get there tomorrow. So are they going to fly early in the morning from Atlanta? Or are they going to leave it around noonish? Get to the West Coast. Four and a half, five hours later. No one where they're going, because they certainly don't if they fly tonight. Take the bus to the hotel, drop off their luggage and go to the ballpark so they can work out. Even if it's a light workout, which it'll probably be. Or do you want to get to the West Coast tonight? and have a resting night in a hotel and wake up in the city that you're going to play in on Friday instead of Saturday. These are all little things that a lot of people don't think about. Traveling from coast to coast is not an easy thing to do. So not only don't the Atlanta Braves have a ball club that's parallel with either the Giants or the Dodgers. 
but they've got this travel thing that they've got to think about because they're traveling the secretary right now. I don't know what he's thinking about. He definitely has reservations in both places. You have to. Flight plans going to LA and it's also going to San Francisco. You know they have a charter flight. Families come in postseason games. So the players are going to have their wives and kids. And they're probably going to send media and other people like that on a commercial flight. And they can get there whenever they want. So what do you do if you're the Atlanta Brave traveling secretary and the Atlanta Braves front office management? When do you bring your ball club west? In time to go to bed tonight? Can you get a full playing of the game on the airplane? Is technology advanced that much where you can literally watch the game, be flying from the East Coast to the West Coast, and divert your flight plan in mid-flight if you just flip a coin and say, I think the Giants are going to win. So you go route to San Francisco from Atlanta. Or you go, I think the Dodgers are going to win. And if the other team happens to take the lead, then you have to – do you do that with the – I tell you what, with as long as these games are taken nowadays, there's a good chance that you could take off from Atlanta – and be on the ground in the city if you guessed right before the game's over. (laughs) Oh, boy. You know what? We talked about that enough. Uh, Got some sad news. Um, One of the best – one of the best teammates that I've ever had uh, passed away yesterday, uh, Ray Fossey, uh, after – a 16-year battle with cancer. Um, That's the kind of warrior that he was. Uh, If you remember the name, Ray Fossey is the guy in a 1970 All-Star game that Pete Rose bowled over at home plate. Wouldn't happen today. But became well-known for it. And Ray was a good player after that. I don't know if he was good as he would have been because he had a little bit of a shoulder injury, but this was one of the good guys in the game. Uh, Became an A's broadcaster for 30-some years after that. That was the last time that I saw him was was over in in the Phoenix area uh, during spring training a couple of years ago. Uh, Came and threw his arms around me. I hadn't seen Ray in – 30 years and uh you know he's gone now uh you know last week we lost eddie robinson the oldest living major league player at the time uh no more 
Um, let me throw some of this at you. This, this is good stuff. And, and this is why you should get on the edge of your seat right now because that's where you're going to be during this game. I promise you, I wish I could guarantee it, but I, I'll go out on a limb. No, I'm not. <laughs> I promise you, this game will not be a blowout on either side. It's just not in the makeup of this rivalry, which is the San Francisco Giants and Los Angeles Dodgers. Give you a little history. Since these two teams have been in existence, they've played over 2,535 games, not over, just a hair or two. And they are within 22 games of one another in the one loss column. So in other words, it's 1,269 games won by the Giants and 1,247 games won by the Dodgers. That's in favor of the San Francisco Giants. And now, naturally, this is before 1957 when they came to the West Coast. This year, they're 10 and 9. Did you expect anything else? The series is tied at two games apiece. We've all seen how close the games are. The Dodgers have won seven World Series titles in 25 National League pennants in 34 playoff appearances. And the San Francisco Giants have eight World Series titles and 23 national pennants in 26 playoff appearances. You know, these guys, along with the Yankees, were the only game in town when I was a kid growing up. And after they left New York, because I remember my dad opening up the paper one morning and saying, the Dodgers and the Giants are leaving. And, and I had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, I was a kid in Miami. I didn't know what a borough was. The borough of Brooklyn and the borough of Manhattan. I didn't know anything about that then. But from the time they left until 1962, I have no recollection of any baseball relating to the Dodgers and the Giants except for spring training. Because I was a huge Duke Snyder and Pee Wee Reese fan. Was so fortunate later on in life to become friends with both of them. I have an autographed picture from Pee Wee Reese I treasure to this day. Duke Snyder lived right up here in Fallbrook, California for years and years and years. Was a great man. My favorite hat in all of baseball is not a Yankee hat, although my favorite player was Mickey Mantle. My favorite hat was Brooklyn Dodger hat. 
And now I can throw off, well, that B stands for Brooklyn, stands for Bavacqua. Because whenever I wear it, people think I'm a Dodger fan. Nah, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But I remember game seven of the 1962 World Series against the San Francisco Giants and the New York Yankees like it was yesterday. I... I swear to you, I remember it like it was yesterday. And in the ninth inning, when Stretch McCovey, who later became a good friend, and he played in my golf tournaments for charity, I played in his golf tournament up in the Bay Area for charity, he hit a vicious line drive off of Ralph Terry. And Bobby Richardson jumped as high as he possibly could in the air and somehow pulled this down where two runs would have scored and the Giants were probably going to go on and win the game. You know, when Walter O'Malley went up to Horace Stoneman and told him, let's go west so we can keep this rivalry going, tonight, Walter O'Malley and Horace Stoneman had to be looking down, and they were going, boy, we made such a great decision, even though it took a very long time for it to happen. And then the game gets changed. And instead of it being a manager's decision on who is best to start this game. Who's got the intestinal fortitude to go out? And I'm not saying that Canable does it. But I'm just saying I would I would bet a lot that Dave Roberts would rather have Julio Urias on the mound than Corey Canable. And again, it's nothing against the players. It's all against a gut and how this kid has performed over the course of the 2021 baseball season. Giants win this game because of that move. And because of Logan Webb. Tell you what. This kid that's starting for the San Francisco Giants has got something, folks. Things don't seem to phase him. And we're going to find that out tonight because he's starting in front of a home crowd. Now the Dodgers pulled a quick one on him and, and starting Knable instead of Urias so that it puts the Giant lineup in – disarray, or at least they think so. The Giants are smart. They'll put the same lineup out there that Kapler had made out yesterday against Urias and just bring it to the game tonight. Because then the Dodgers can't go into the bullpen and get Urias for – I mean, if the Dodgers think that the Giants are going to overload their lineup with left-handed hitters, they're crazy. They're not that stupid. I mean, those guys up there are smart. 
They're as smart as you are in L.A., believe it or not. So we're going to see what happens. I look for a great game. I want to thank you all for tuning in and watching. Dirty Kurtz Dugout. We're going to be back next week. I want to thank Hacienda Casablanca. 700 North Johnson, if you're in the neighborhood. And keep in mind that we're going to uh, be having this watch party. So join us. We're going to have a good time. We're going to give away some stuff. Uh, We did last time. Um, I don't even remember what it was. We had half price. uh, No, we were giving drinks away for home runs, and no home runs happened, or at least in the part of the game that we were doing that. So we're going to do all of that uh, stuff. We'll get together with Cindy and Tony and work it all out. Trust me, we're going to have a good time. So join us. Uh, I'll let you know when it's going to happen. I'll give you plenty of time so that you can plan it and come over to 700 North Johnson in El Cajon and join us at uh, Hacienda Casablanca. So uh, I thank my producer, uh, Joe, and also uh, our technical guy, Alan. Uh, Without him, uh, I don't know where I'd be, even though my microphone, I can't hear anything. But at least I can read all your comments. Uh, guys, I don't know who's going to be the manager of this San Diego ball club. I know I see a couple of comments there. I just looked up and noticed. Uh, what do you think of my Socia possibly being the next Padre manager? It, I'm going to uh, a cover uh, a good part of the show next, next week on who should and shouldn't uh, be the manager of the San Diego Padres. So I think we'll go away from that show having a pretty good idea uh, along with what's going on in the uh, league championship series uh, leading up to the World Series. So until next Thursday, uh, this is Kurt Pavacqua saying goodbye, everybody. And boy, enjoy tonight because you're in for a treat. See you next time. Bye.